0: This is Conversational Commerce, the podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends by talking shop with the Retail Dive team, thought leaders, and executives. If you've been in the industry for more than a year, then you know the drill in January. As the holidays fade away, we all make our annual pilgrimage to New York City for the National Retail Federation's Big Show. It's three days of chaos and tech on the expo floor, mixed with panels on key topics and conversations with thought leaders driving innovation in the industry. This year, the Retail Dive team, including myself, Associate Editor Kara Salpini, and Senior Editor Laura Heller, divided and conquered to get a sense for the biggest conversations happening and how they will define the year ahead. There's a lot that goes on at the show, so at the end of the last day, We huddled up in the podcast studio to talk through what we were hearing and our takeaways on five major topics. All right, here's our big take on the big show. All right, recording live from NRF on the last day. We've finally come to the end of the three days. Um, I'm here with my two colleagues, Laura Heller, um, Carousel Beaning. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. How's the show been so far?
1: Just a little exhausting.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a zoo, um, but I don't know what else I expected. So I'm glad to have the three of us here to divide and conquer since there's so much happening. Um, We're going to talk about a lot today, um, give our takeaways. I think really there were five main buckets with what we came away with from our conversations and panels, um, you know, things we talked about with executives. We're going to go through the in-store experience, building brand loyalty, brands and the new role that they're playing kind of coming to the forefront thinking about a startup mentality, and also all of the tech and mobile things that we saw too. So before we jump into all that, I think we should talk about what were our biggest takeaways wrapped into one word. So I'll go first. I think experience to me um, was really a big thing. I mean, we've been talking about the in-store experience at least for a long time, but um, bringing that into new ways and thinking about what are trends and places we can look outside of the industry too? really came to light for me at the show.
2: Yeah, um, for me, I would say it's probably intimacy because brands are really um, trying to form more personal, emotional connections with customers, trying to, to get to know them on a better level and get them into stores um, and through that kind of knowledge. So that definitely sums it up for me. It's a little creepy, but I
1: think it's true. <laughs> yeah. And for me, this might seem trite or old, but innovation, I know that we've been talking about that for years, but I've For the first time, I really feel like the spirit of innovation has been infused throughout the industry. A lot of the blocking and tackling that people have been needing to do to build out online or get any systems in place, that's been taken care of. And people are really sort of embracing this notion that retailers are innovators. And and that was apparent this week with all the energy. And I also think it's important to note that all of these things that we're talking about today, they're not just takeaways from the show. Like, these are things that we all have identified as going to be big trends throughout 2018 in areas that retailers are going to need to pay a lot of attention to and that we as an editorial team think we're going to focus on a lot.
0: So why don't we start with the in-store experience. What did you guys think about what you were hearing on panels and and with your conversations?
2: Um, I mean, one thing that that I really noticed about in-store experience is the emphasis on tech. So there's a lot of emphasis on um, bringing augmented reality into stores. And I talked to to FinishLine in specific. They've got like an AR smart mirror now that they're putting into stores. And that was specifically for the purpose of increasing customer engagement and giving customers a reason to, to come into the store because when you can buy on online with Amazon and get like free shipping on everything and it's all it's all very easy so what's gonna draw the customer into the store what's going to give them a reason to actually show up so I've seen a lot of a lot of the AR stuff especially with in-store.
1: It's really important that the the in-store experience is the differentiator And as we're coming off this year of unbelievable store closures and bankruptcies, the, the retailers that are doing well, and there are many that are doing so well, are doing so because they invested in stores, and they made that shopping experience fun, and then they linked it smartly to whatever they're doing online. But the store experience is still the, the priority, and we're seeing a lot of that here at the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had a whole conversation. That's a podcast to come. But, Laura, you and I were talking to Lauren Batar from Retail Next about we've seen so much mediocre in-store retail for so long, um, and it was kind of forgotten for a while. But there's, like, this revitalization of thinking about it in a fresh way. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to one panel. with Lee Peterson, WD Partners. And it was interesting he described it as, you know, building out your stores for the attention economy. People have shorter attention spans. They need that bar is higher for what it takes to get you into a store. You know, he kind of breaks it into two categories. You've got the digital natives, which is, you know, millennials, Gen Z. He breaks it off as, you know, people under 45, under 30 probably. And then the digital immigrants, those that didn't grow up with smartphones um, and are still kind of coming around to those things. And it's interesting because even with the digital immigrants, they're getting more used to the new concepts that we're seeing so like you're you're seeing them get used to showrooms for instance And they did a study and within a year, the number of digital immigrants that became used to showrooms went up by 30%. I think that's to say that retailers shouldn't get discouraged about when things don't click right away. You know, they might see that after a year once consumers kind of get to know what they're trying to do. For sure. So another huge topic was building brand loyalty. Um, I think we saw that in so many panels today. What did you think, Kara, about
1: that topic?
2: Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things that I thought was the most interesting from from the show was a panel that had Tyler Haney on it from Outdoor Voices, and she talked a lot about about that brand's social media strategy. And one of the things that they were really focused on, especially with Instagram, is talking to consumers like you're their best friend and so that's just such a different way to to think about the brand customer relationship and actually like we we've covered this a lot over the year gen zers especially consider brands more on that personal level they want to be more engaged with um with brands and retailers they want to have that more personal connection so just um just seeing that in, in that panel especially seemed um like a really good takeaway. Intimacy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that she mentioned in that
0: panel was celebrity endorsements are what they used to be. Um, and she actually sees more engagement from the influencers that have maybe 100K followers as opposed to ones that have millions.
1: So it was kind of a rethinking who's the most important person to promote my product. And it's, it's a good lesson in like choosing the right promotional method for your brand, because what works for Walmart and one of its proprietary brands isn't the right thing for one of the smaller startups. And and to really think about it thoughtfully and carefully and and go with a micro-influencer and an influencer depending on your needs.
0: And the other thing is, um, you know, the detail matters, and so does the engagement. So not dropping off social media on the weekends, but thinking about, um, you know, if they're posting about my product, let me engage with you and talk to you. Um, and even down to consumers are, are looking at who you follow as a brand on, on uh, Facebook or Instagram or uh, Pinterest, any of those things.
2: For and, sure. And um, I, I also sort of I, I tapped into a panel about... Um, retailers and brands that are involved in social responsibility and and, um, involved in charities or um, other kind of issues that matter to them. And that's also a really big point in driving customer loyalty. I, I was listening to a guy from Gallery Furniture and he was talking about his efforts during Hurricane Harvey. He let a ton of people come stay at his store mm-hmm. and for him he was like, "Look, I like maybe I lost a lot of money, but that doesn't matter because I gained it back with everyone who came to my store since the hurricane and said, "We are here specifically because of what you did during Hurricane mm-hmm. Harvey." So there are and I bet other... they're going to keep coming back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a deeper connection than, you know, just having like a good discount that customers come for.
1: I think 2018 we're going to see a lot more of that, you know, over the years we've heard a lot about cause marketing, you have to do that for a millennial customer. But it's a much bigger story these days, and I think that retailers now have something to look at really concretely, like like this gentleman from Hurricane Harvey, and talking about doing that in a thoughtful way for their businesses. It's not just lip service, right? It's, it's something that they are really weaving into the DNA of the company. Yeah,
2: and making it a message that also fits with the brand. Mm-hmm. So like Patagonia does a lot of stuff with environmentalist causes, and that makes sense for Patagonia, but like it might not make sense for someone like Walmart to do something like that because it doesn't resonate with the brand. I think this segues nicely
0: into
1: the next big topic, which is brands. They played a huge role at NRF this year. They sure did. Brand used to be here to serve the retailer, and now the brands are acting in much the same way as the retailers are, and they have to. They are looking to go direct to their customers, whether it's a direct-to-consumer brand itself or a big national brand that needs to have new distribution and new outlets and just a more personal relationship with their end users. And I think that that is going to be a big story throughout 2018. Whether it's a national brand or a private label or one of these um, up-and-coming direct-to-consumer brands, these stories are going to be really, really powerful, and all of them are going to be both shopping for technology solutions or partners in, in this program.
0: I um had the chance to moderate my first panel at NRF, which was really exciting and fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also about brands. And it was um, you know, talking to someone from Brandable, from Beta and from FitLogic, Little Black Pant, and they're all coming at um the problem of how do you get the best product, how to achieve product nirvana mm-hmm. in a different way. And I think the most interesting thing for me there was how are you engaging with customers and getting their feedback in the product development stage? Because they're really focused on reducing the time to market, figuring out, let me talk to my customers on social media, on Instagram, figure out what are they looking for, and then let me try to get that to them within three, five, six months. Right. Yeah.
1: Tina Sharkey, who's the co-founder of Brandless, I got to sit down with earlier today. And you know, one, they, Brandless doesn't think of themselves as a brand, even though they are. They consider themselves a retailer. And, and I think that most brands today are starting to think of themselves that way as well. And... The speed to market is incredibly critical, and, and part of that is um, machine learning and big data, and you know, getting that feedback. What you heard from your panel, Corinne, was you know they get feedback right away, right? Right. And you have to act on it quickly, or it's gone. Yeah. You know, and, it's and the immediacy. Yeah. And Tina Sharkey was talking about the same thing. You know, they want to own their own data, and they're using the feedback from their customers like right away to change their business on the fly. And
2: again, from a just from a generational standpoint, we've also seen that with um, millennials and. Gen Zs are really invested in responding to brands and engaging with brands on social media. And so brands should be um, engaging with them back. Like they want to hear back from the brand. Like, have you changed this? Like, are you taking these considerations um, into your plan for the future? So that's also really important just with the customers who are up and coming right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm going to throw out a term for you. And Kara covers um, marketing for us at at Retail Dive. Tina Sharkey used a term today that was new to me, uh, perennial It's not a millennial, not a Gen Z, not a boomer, not an Xer, a perennial, and this crosses demographic and generational lines and is starting to offer a better way for them at least to define interests and attributes to people as opposed to just your age group. And -hmm. I think we're probably going to be hearing a little bit more about that throughout the year.
2: Yeah, for sure, that sounds
0: interesting. Definitely. I think the next topic to talk about is um, startup mindset. There were so many more startups here than there were last year, Um, and, and you know big places on panels talking about what it takes to innovate as you're talking about earlier Laura just innovating experimenting figuring out what's right and it's okay to fail fast which we
1: usually hear in the tech industry Mm -hmm. and we do and we've been hearing it here at NRF for years right you know the the startups will come and they would speak to the rooms of retailers like you have to think like a startup you have to you know all the buzzwords were there you know but I think right now we have reached a point in the industry where people can actually do those things. Some of the hard work's been done. um, Some of the field has been cleared. You know, we we lost a lot of stores last year, but the ones who are doing well are doing well because they've invested in the technology. They're adopting and embracing these these speed-to-market ideas. And we heard on Sunday from store number eight, actually Monday sorry, Mm -hmm. um, from Lori Fleiss at store number eight about how the entire role of this Tech incubator within Walmart is so that it can separate from the larger entity that has, you know, systems in place and administrative um, processes that slow things down. And they can take um, technology they're interested in, and they can speed it through the process and then bring it back to the mothership, so to speak, and say, here, we've done this quickly for you. Right. Um, Don't mess it up. Here,
0: take this and apply it to all these other segments that you work in. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I noticed was looking outside of the industry for inspiration. So I thought it was really interesting. The first day, the founder of Pizza, as well as the founder of the Museum of Ice Cream spoke. Um, And and these are food-oriented, so experience is a little different, a little bit easier easier and more natural for them, but there are a lot of lessons that retailers can learn from that and try to incorporate in different ways.
2: Yeah. And even looking to to other sectors of retail in specific. So I talked a lot about beauty retail and and how for them um, augmented reality, for example, is a really easy application because it makes sense and it's useful for the customers. And so if you look at someone like Sephora who has the virtual artist feature where they can try on different blushes, try on different eyeshadows without um, physically having to do that, that's really useful. But For other sectors of retail, AR is not at a point where it adds actual utility for the customer. So it could be, I was talking to some guys from Sapient Razorfish, and they were saying it could be somewhere four or five years from now until it really becomes integrated into the in-store experience. And something like virtual reality is, is even further out for a real useful application in retail. Right. And we can't be at NRF and not talk about technology. I feel like it's
0: increasingly become, you know, there's a lot of tech everywhere, um, But maybe you can talk
1: a little about CES, Laura, since you were just there last year. Absolutely. I did just come from CES, (laughs) almost straight to NRF. Where you know, retail Dive was very lucky to participate and host um, an entire afternoon of content around high tech retail. But what's interesting is that yes, the general consensus really is, even at CES, that VR for retail and consumer applications is really kind of far down the road. It's the shiny penny. Let's watch it and let's see where it goes. There's a lot of B two B applications for VR that are very interesting, but to the consumer, not so much. Uh, But it is voice that is is driving everything, and Amazon and Google were the stars. Oh, gosh. All I heard was the battle between both of those. And it's going to be big. I mean, I went to -to back-to-back sessions hosted by Amazon to help people develop product and features and functions just specifically for Alexa. The goal is to have Alexa be everywhere. Um, And Google was everywhere at the show showcasing their version of voice. Um, I just spoke on the way in with Deborah Weinswag from Funk Global and she had a panel yesterday that had like 900 people in the room and 300 in the overflow and it was about voice. Yeah, and people are eager to know about it. They do. They want to know voice assistants are are not just going to help with shopping but they're going to go a long way towards getting more information back to their sources so that you can develop your product, develop your services, um, form a business plan based on instant customer feedback in a much more efficient way.
0: So coming off a of seat C- Yes. Mm-hmm. What what did you notice about tech here at NRF?
1: Tech here at NRF is a little bit more practical. Yes. it's not so aspirational. You know, there are no drones flying around the David <laughs> Center right now, for which I am relieved. Yeah, and I don't see any autonomous cars on the show floor, which is what dominated at CES. You know, what we're seeing here now are some really kind of um, real world solutions, a little aspirational with some of the you know tech on the floor um, from the bigger companies like Microsoft. But you know, we're seeing things like you know solutions like. By Samsung that were to help retailers develop pop-up locations more efficiently. And and that is something that can be, you know, you can go back to the office and say, hey, let's implement this.
0: One of the big things I heard in my conversations was personalization is going to be really big this year. Um, And there's especially a lot of opportunity with it in mobile. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to see how that pans out this year.
1: I, I mean, I just want to say, as we're wrapping up, that You know, the spirit and the energy level here this week has been unparalleled. I mean, if you read any story or wrote any story, the the amount of stories that we have in the past year with using the word apocalypse, (laughs) you would have thought that, you know, people would have been like gloomy and dragging their knuckles along the hallway, but it's a complete opposite. Everyone seems to be really energized, like they're here to prove otherwise. Business is good for a lot right. of people. It's almost
0: like they're doubling down against that narrative.
1: Yeah. It made for great reading, and there was a lot of truth to it. You know, we, they did close 7,000 stores last year, and we had 21 bankruptcies. But, you know, that's not the message coming out of NRF. The message for 2018 really is positive. Well, that's a wrap for us. Thanks for being on the show,
0: guys. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conversational Commerce. For all the latest updates on industry news, analysis, and trends, subscribe to our free daily newsletter at RetailDive.com. And stay tuned for more episodes from NRF. I also sat down with Lauren Batar from Retail Next to talk about the in-store experience, as well as Ryan Buckley, CEO of FitCode, to talk about the challenge of fit versus size in conquering clothing fit online. Until next time, I'm Corinne Ruff, and this was Conversational
1: Commerce.